As a founder, do you find yourself overwhelmed and frustrated that things aren't moving forward as fast as you'd like? Startups are often portrayed as a go big or go home affair. And as founders, it is easy to get caught up chasing monumental goals and forget about the daily actions that will actually get us there. On today's Startup Therapy podcast, we'll explore how we can aim for the moon, but clear the fence. Welcome back for another episode of the Startup Therapy podcast. This is Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by Will Schroeder, CEO of Startups.com. Will, today we're going to talk about something that I think every founder, even just people who are considering becoming founders can relate to, and that's being overwhelmed, especially at the early stages. It's so common to just be buried in it. Yeah, I mean, how could you not? I mean, boy, the first six months to a year for sure. But even if we zoom out a bit and we say, (laughs) I guess every year thereafter. I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) It's not six months to a year of every year. Yes. But but here's why the, the first year, let's just zoom in on that for a second really matters. You have so much to do in the least resources you'll ever have to do it. Yeah. And so we have founders come that comes to us and say, okay, great news. I quit my job. <laughs> I started the business. I'm off and running. Now I'm totally overwhelmed because all of a sudden I have to be head of product management, head of technology, head of recruiting, head of, <laughs> head of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Total uncertainty. Total, you know, it's such a huge laundry list of things to get done. And as you said, the least resources you'll ever have. At, at, other than energy, maybe. You do start with more energy. <laughs> like that, that, becomes head, that, that freshman more, head of steam. Yeah, that, that becomes a more <laughs> finite resource later in the game. Yeah, well, you know, and then and at that point, we're saying we have to do all of this stuff. And it's it's the analysis paralysis. I'm, I'm so yeah. freaked out that I can't do everything at once that what do I do? Do nothing at all. Yep. That's exactly it, right? And so rather, if you can't remember the entire choreography, I'm just not going to take the first step at all, right? Which is (laughs) tough. It's really tough. And so a really valuable lesson that we teach founders at the very formative stages, and that we've learned ourselves, and, and we'll talk about how we implement these very same things effectively, is we figure out how to create incredibly small goals. Ryan, I think where people get stuck is that they get this sense that I have to have big goals, right? You know, I have sure. to have this big sweeping vision and I have to have these big audacious goals that I need to get done, which sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty easy to say that. But then they get to the part of having to do it and they don't know what they're supposed to do today. And I think that permeates to the entire organization. If the CEO, the founder, founding team doesn't know what to do, how the hell does anybody else know what to do? Yeah, or said differently, even if they think they know what to do, how can you be sure there's any alignment between that and what everybody else is doing? And that's just as much of a problem, right? Doing the wrong thing is almost as bad as doing nothing. I would say it's still better to do the wrong thing than nothing at all. But yeah, it's, it's a huge issue, especially as it starts to, to trickle down through the organization. It creates startups that can't get stuff done. It's that yeah. simple. It's the founder right now, probably a fair amount that are listening to this podcast right now, that are saying, they're kind of nodding their head a little bit going, you know, the truth is, I know where I want to head. I know what I'm trying to get done, but I'm not 100% clear specifically what needs to get done by the end of the day. And, and there's a chance if I do, 
that maybe the rest of my org doesn't. And I think what we often don't understand or what tends to break in this process is there is an element to startup planning that's often just different than other types of planning. I think it's worth us unpacking that a bit today and talk about why we plan so much differently. Even though you and I have come from organizations that does that, that did you know long-term planning and got paid oh, to yeah. do long-term planning in the agency yep. world, we don't do that here. <laughs> we do very, no. very short-term planning, like days. And yeah, I, would say, I think we do long-term planning. Hear that. It's just measured in days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is long-term planning. <laughs> Short-term planning is what are we going to have for lunch? It's it's ten to lunch. I tell you, man, and I see this in so many aspects of people trying to do anything big. For example, somebody says, I want to lose 20 pounds. And they say, that's my goal. I want to lose 20 pounds. want to lose yep. that weight. And I'm like, cool, lose one. <laughs> and, and if you actually do that, if you actually get to the next milestone, yeah. lose another. Talk about two. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what happens. I get on the scale. I'm still 19 and a half pounds away from my goal. It's hard to be motivated by being 19 and a half pounds away. Conversely, if I'm a quarter pound away, I'll get to that goal because the goal's reachable. Yep. What, we, what we tend to do in startups are so notorious for this is we set big goals that are damn near impossible to actually accomplish in a short period of time. And we spend, we, we sit in this netherworld of trying to get there, but not actually getting past them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because it becomes so hard to tell whether you're tracking the right direction. And if you don't have, it's, and again, it's great to have the, the big hairy goals, right? It's, it's fine to have this, this long-term idea of what you want the business to become. I will hazard a guess that will change significantly over time as you build towards it. Um, but even if it doesn't, you're still going to have to do things stepwise, right? I've built some amazing stuff out of Legos. All still starts with putting the first Lego in place and you can feel and see the progress as you move. If you're only thinking about that final goal and you don't have any other shorter steps to help you understand whether you're making progress or not, you'll lose motivation, you'll lose direction. It just, or just nothing happens at all, right? And I think that's actually the, the biggest problem is that there's no traction created. There's no momentum created because you're aiming at something that's just too far out on the horizon to even be possible. Well, it's also hard to track. So if we go to a team member, and let's say it's the dev team, and we say, we have this project we want to work on. We want to work on, let's say, a mobile app. Mm. And we want to get this done. How long does it take? And they're going to say six months. Cool. That's not an unreasonable amount of time for the whole thing to get done. Yep. But we're two weeks, six weeks, eight weeks into it. Are we, how much, how done are we? Yeah. Chances are, we're not as done as we think we are because we've yet to finish an actual milestone. And I think this messes people up. I think they set long goals because again, they feel good. They, they're, they're considerate. That's exactly what we want to get done. But somewhere between setting the goal and typically missing the goal, but, but you know, hopefully getting to the goal, is all this area in between, which is so hard to manage especially in a startup where things are so amorphous. Yeah. And then again, you start to, you start to multiply that by the, by the number of people on the team and yeah. it gets yeah. exponentially out of control really, really quickly. And I think this is a huge, 
huge part of where founder frustration and, and being overwhelmed comes from at the early stages when you start to compound these, what might be small issues in and of themselves, right? Like a little bit of misunderstanding in terms of what I'm supposed to be doing or setting a goal that's a little too long, right? Well, when that's all four people in the startup, that becomes a much, much bigger problem really quickly, even just from a tracking perspective. But for me, just from a, a momentum and a, a directional aspect, it, it tends to be the most frustrating, right? When you realize that what little has gotten done was also done in different directions and it doesn't come together in the way it needs to, even more frustrating. Like, man, individually, we got very little done. Collectively, it looks even worse. And that's just so demotivating. Well, it is because I think what needs to happen, particularly in a startup, is we need to have short, ambitious goals. You know, what can we get done by the end of the week? What can we get done by the end of the month, let's say? I think when we create long, ambitious goals, things that actually do need to, to get done, I'll give an example. Startup says that by the end of six months, we want to have $100,000 in monthly revenue. That's awesome. But you have to get to $5,000 of monthly revenue before you ever get to $100,000. So why isn't that the first goal? <laughs> right? yeah, I mean, yeah. If you really yep. think about it. Then we can say 100000 is the six-month goal, but our one-week goal, or you know whatever our increment is, hopefully short, is $5,000. I don't yep. hear enough of that. No. I think what happens, Ryan, you've seen this so many times with our own team, things that we do. If you set a time long enough, there's too much that can go wrong in between. Just like weight oh, loss. It's, 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 you're basically guaranteeing it, right? When you leave, because it's, it's wiggle room, right? Yes. It's flexibility in all the wrong places, right? And <laughs> go back to your weight loss analogy. It's literally weight in all the wrong places, right? It's you, you end up with too much variability in terms of when do I get this piece done or when do I get that piece done? And, and if you, you know, slip a little week to week in a six month time frame, it doesn't feel like much. But if you slip a little week to week over an entire six month time frame, it's a hell of a lot of slippage at the end, right? You set really short time frames, and and you know you can only slip so much within a given week until you're just obviously failing, right? Which you can correct. So yeah, I think that uh, creating these these shorter term goals is uh, is a huge thing. I, and I just made something up for you. Well, we're gonna call them shit goals. It's short-term, high-intensity, tactical, right? Make all of your goals shit goals from now on. Are, are you uh, finger-tenting right now with, with your feet I was. up on the table? Uh, no, because uh, I was counting the, the letters. I was counting the letters with my fingers to make sure that I got the acronym right. But yes. Wonderful. Well done, sir. <laughs> uh, so, but, but one of the things you just you mentioned there that I, I want to drill down on, time. The more time we give a goal the higher the probability, not only that it will fail, because it gives it more time to fail, oh, yeah. but that it will get done in a very non-optimized way. And, and here's the example I give, Ryan. If I give myself a month to lose a pound, I've got a lot of opportunities in the middle there to make it up, to go back, etc. I can have my cheeseburger day. I can have my uh, long run day. But yep. in the end, I have lots of opportunities to do this poorly. Therefore, the problem wasn't the goal. The problem was the time period. Yeah. Now let's take it a step further. Now I have a week to lose a pound. Again, I've got to lose about 3,500 net calories, not just water weight. I have fewer options. There are fewer times that I can miss a meal. My workouts have to be consistently better on, on a pretty consistent basis over that time period. I yeah. can slip a little still, but, but a lot I'm less not... less than a month. <laughs> it's a lot less than a month. 
and I'm not fully optimized. Now I have two days to lose a pound. Crazy unhealthy, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear, right? It can be done. The body can burn 3,500 calories in two days. Really unhealthy. Not recommending this. Just pointing out it can be done. Kind of there is no sawing off my forearm to do that. I think it would be easier. <laughs> step, step one, cut my leg off. No, but there is no slippage in that timeline. All three goals are exactly the same. Lose one pound. But when I condense the timeline, I increase the optimization. I, I decrease the opportunities where you can mess around. And when I see people put in long-term goals, and again, long-term, man, I'm only talking six months. And even then, right. I, it could be shorter than that. What I see happen is it gives the organization and ourselves the opportunity to screw around, the opportunity to, to eat a cheeseburger when we're supposed to be on the treadmill. And yeah. when you then take that diet approach, Ryan, like you said, to the entire organization, all of a sudden, everyone's eating a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. Call that. And it's not working. Yeah, so let's stick with that for a minute. Let's stick with the one-week time frame. Because this is exactly what we do internally. As we we look at how we plan at startups.com, everything breaks down into these into these weekly sprints, essentially. Right. And this isn't just a development thing. We we do this across the board. Uh, you know, like, well, what's the first thing we do when we get together on Monday mornings? Well, the, the yeah, the first thing we do is we say, what are you gonna do for this week? Now, yeah. When folks are new to our organization, they don't entirely understand what we mean by that. And so, and, and Ryan, we can provide a lot of character here in color about what that means to us. So let's start with why we're talking about a week. And actually, let me back up. Let's also point out, we only plan one week at a time as an entire organization of 200 people. Okay, yeah. so so this isn't some wacky thing we do in management. This is the whole company. And Ryan, you've seen different variants of how we plan. In your estimation, I'd, I'd have to ask you, why do you think it works? I, it, for all the reasons that we've just talked about, right? It doesn't give you unhealthy wiggle room. It forces you to break down because, I, and I don't want people to think that we're only thinking a week out, right? Obviously, we have long range plans ideas, but we're executing one week at a time because that's what works, right? We've tried variations of this, but you know, the reason it works is that it keeps you focused. It keeps you honest about, about your goal setting. It forces you to break things down into manageable increments. And I think this is yeah. the biggest place that planning fails. The minute that increment size, that bite size gets too big to chew on, it starts to fall apart. And so by arbitrarily limiting what we're saying the horizon of accomplishment is, in this case, a week, it keeps you really, really focused. And it forces you to continuously break down the bigger goal into a sub-goal. Those sub-goals become sub-goals and sub-goals and sub-goals and so on until you're you know, five or six generations deep into the big idea. And it's now a series of manageable, accomplishable, meaningful actions. And that's why it works. Here's the other reason I think this is particularly important to startup companies. When you go work at a big company, most of the, 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 um, the ecosystem of that company has already been in place. 
In other words, yeah. everyone knows how this company works. People generally understand how this product performs. We have years of history to fall back on. When we're at a startup, we have none of that. Almost every single thing that we're doing, we're pretty much doing for the first time. Sure. We're doing product development for a product that's never existed before, for a customer we've never met before. <laughs> on an LTV, we have no idea what it's going to be. We Why just we hired everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm saying, we, we, we just hired everybody. We don't yeah. even know that they can perform. Right? Yeah. Every aspect of who we are and what we're about to do is a giant question mark. And for the, for the company, for us to be able to assume that we can say, let's go back to our, um, our $100,000 in six months example, that we can assume the goal is $100,000 in six months. Nothing's going to change between now and then. <laughs> yeah, right. It's <laughs> absurd. Yeah. Everything Here's, will change between now and then. Everything's going to change, man. And here are the things that are going to change. The goals that we set this week, once we actually do them, or in some cases just try, turns out it didn't work. We ran a landing page test. It didn't yeah. work. Right? Yep. That's going to change what I do next week. And by way of that, is likely going to change what the overall goal was to begin with. Yes. Most, most of what we're doing are a series of tests. The whole friggin' business is a series of tests. So for us to be able to say, here's a long-term plan based on a whole bunch of variables we don't even know yet is yeah. kind of silly. Yeah, because you're, you're talking about a bunch of threaded plans together, right? You've got product, you've got marketing, you've got sales, you've got all of it, right? And each one of those has its own trajectory. And of course, there's a, there should be a cohesive plan where all those work together. But to your point, there's so much testing, there's so much variability, so much dynamism within each of those threads. And if one of those has to change, uh, you know, either either via necessity or or based on a decision from from the findings that you have as you go through these tests, that can change everything else. And so this is something else we haven't talked about this yet. But one of the other reasons I think this is so successful is it keeps everybody on the same time frames. Well, go back in time and think about all the times where you had these kind of codependent time frames codependent timelines for different projects where, you know, you've got development working on one thing and then marketing is going to launch something to go along with that. When there isn't consistency in those timeframes, even just in terms of how quickly or how often we're checking in for progress, it leads to all sorts of bad shit happening. Right? I'm sure you have right. examples of this as well. But when you get everybody down to the same time frame, it helps you keep a cadence and a rhythm as a company that is really hard to do. If you've got dev working on, say, you know, uh, let's say two-week sprints, uh, the sales team plans quarterly, uh, marketing plans monthly, it's a huge, huge mess. It is. And the problem gets exacerbated, like I said, when we either give ourselves too much time or don't consider the fact that this is us running into the abyss. We have no idea what's going to happen next week. Mm -hmm. So we can have goals. We can have overall overarching goals of where we're trying to get to. We can say we're trying to go from Connecticut to California in the 1700s, but we can't pretend to know what we're going to get into when we take even a step out of our cabin. <laughs> we're going to get changed. bit by a snake, break our arm, and get cholera. You've played Oregon Trail. You know what I'm <laughs> You're going to go that way. Absolutely, that's what happens. But I, I think... It's hard for the organization at first to think in such a tiny way. It's hard for us to think, okay, what are we only getting done this week? 
until you see how effective it is. Yeah. The other thing I love about it has to be done by Friday is it has to be done by Friday. Right. If stuff comes up during the week, we just manage it differently. Here's an example. If I have all month to write a newsletter, you know, you know, one of the newsletters that I write that we send out to, to our folks, and I have a couple down weeks where things are just busy, I can't get to it, no problem. But if it's due by Friday, yeah. every single challenge I run into, every hiccup I have during every single day has to be accounted for. It has to get made up for. Yep. I, I had this problem. <laughs> I've got to vent for a second. I had this problem, if you remember when I just did my remodel on my house. I do remember. Um, yeah, it's we're doing a remodel on the yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, the, the contractor that we hired, the GC, kept running into problems. It's the nature of remodeling, right? I get it. However, what ended up happening that I thought was really interesting was whenever the GC would run into a problem, they would say, oh, it's going to push out the timeline. And I'm like, huh? Right. huh? Like, yeah, Why? this didn't come in on time or you know, uh, this contractor, this trade didn't show up. And I kept, I kept thinking to myself, no, that, that's, actually, that's actually not the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the answer is we have to figure out how we're going to make up for it right now yeah. so we're back on schedule next week. And they were blown away by this. Uh-huh. Like, wait, what? No, They're that's like, not no, how this works. We just, no, keep, just, pushing the, just keep pushing the number back <laughs> further, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, well, you clearly don't do a lot of startup forecasting. But my no. uh, what I love about that is that when we give ourselves exactly five days to make no compromises. It has to get done in those five days. And look, man, stuff happens, right? Sometimes we have to push out. But we behave as an organization dramatically differently when we only have five days to contend with. Sure. And, I, and it's a sense of urgency. It's a sense of accountability. And I think once the organization starts to get tuned up on that kind of responsiveness, you become a pretty powerful organization. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's some sense, right? I think we there's there's probably some magic number in here somewhere uh, that we could come up with that's probably like twenty percent. Twenty percent meaning like what's what's the fudge factor here? Like what what's an allowable you know what's an allowable uh, amount of overage in terms of time, right? And so if you're looking at a week. Let's say it's 20%. That means if I don't finish by Friday, the expectation is that I'll get it done by Monday at the latest, right? Like if, because things do happen. Great point, right? That's a great point, man. But, but if you blow that out to 180 days, right? That's a big difference, right? Now we're, we're at uh, 36 days, right? That's a month. It is. And, and, and of, you know, let, let me add to that. that feels acceptable still. Yeah. What I want to add to that is we only have five days to contend with, which means we have to choose what is most important. Yeah. The more, the, the longer of a time frame I give myself, the more stuff I can stack in on my task list, biggest mistake. All I want to do are the most important things for this week, and I probably only get two or three. The problem with most task lists is, is that they have more than three items. The yeah. moment you have more than three items, you have more things that you cannot do, <laughs> which sure. is the problem. When you right. only have three items, there's nothing you can do. Like, you have to focus on all of that. And, and I think when we have our discussions, you know, uh, we have this, our manager's meeting, uh, the first thing on every Monday morning, and we say, what are your top three things you need to do? 
the beauty of a top three is there's not a fourth. Sometimes there yeah. needs to be. I mean, there's no magic in three. Sometimes it's two. But it ain't yeah. five. Yeah. I think this, this gets difficult as the organization. You talked about this before, but when new people come in, they can struggle with this a little bit in that it feels like they're not getting enough done. And I always try to remind people, no, no. Because if you tell me you're going to do more than that and you don't, that's far worse, right? Because then you're actually not getting stuff done. Right? If you tell me you're just going to get these three things done and these are the most important things and these map to the objectives that we've set together, this is more than enough because you'll actually get this done. Saying I'm going to do 10 things and getting three done is the same thing, practically speaking, as saying I'm going to get three things done and getting three done. You still got three things done, right? So let's talk about what the actual output is and let's focus on that. But I do see people struggle with this in the beginning. Um, you can kind of see, you, you probably if we just go back through our Slack chats in time, you could pick out without knowing the actual dates when they were early additions to the management team, just based on the grandiosity of what they're saying they're going to accomplish <laughs> in that five-day window, right? Like, and we're going to change our revenue targets and we're going to hire five people and we're going to do this. Like, okay, cool. Eventually, yeah, but, but this week, right? What are you going to do this week? You know, Ryan, I've noticed a over the years, or many years, of course, many organizations, when you distill goals down, the chest-pounding teammate that, that makes <laughs> you know, grand suggestions of what they're going to get gets yep. sized up really quickly. Yeah. Because you can't fake Friday. You can fake where we'll be in six months. You can say yeah. our, our product's going to ship, our sales targets are going to hit it. But Friday's Friday, man. And, yeah. and you've got five days to get there. If nothing happens by Friday, it's obvious. Now, here's the next best part, guys. The best thing about going week to week and, and being hyper-focused on those increments is you see what happens. You see a trend real quickly when week two becomes week three and week three becomes week four. Yep. Because here's the thing. If you have six months to get something done and something drags in week one, moves to week three, moves to week five, you don't notice it. You don't. You don't at all. But every Monday... If you constantly keep getting reminded that what you said you were going to do three weeks ago and only should have taken you a week to do still isn't done, pretty damn obvious. Yeah, <laughs> right? it's, that's exactly it's it. It's so hard to escape that system. And it, it's, it's not about calling people out. I'll be honest. A lot of times, the, 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 for me, the person that I'm most concerned with is me. You know, sure. where I said, hey, I'm going to yep. get this done. And it's week two, it's week three, and it's still not done which sort of forces the next question. Is it still important? This is a great, great point here, right? And if it's drug out, is it still that important? But just in terms of like tracking the importance of tasks, one of the things I love to see, and I'm talking about my downstream now, so as I'm looking at what our staff is reporting up to me as their top three, it's really interesting because there, there are times where you can look at those things and go, that's like the second or third week in a row that it doesn't feel like anything in here is really that critical, right? This is a different issue than what you're talking about, right? If it drags for three weeks, was it really that important to begin with? Sure. But there are also times where you can just kind of look at the list and go, ah, I think we need to redirect some effort here. I think we need to re yes. re you know, discuss what we're actually trying to accomplish because I'm seeing things now that just don't seem to be that important in terms of the overall picture. And again, the overall picture may have changed, right? Other things may have happened within the company that have, that have led us to redirect our efforts elsewhere. And so this helps you as, 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 the, as the founder or just even as a manager 
to redirect the efforts of your team accordingly on those short timeframes, right? Because again, if you're in a six-month planning horizon, you may miss all those adjustments until you're six months out. And that's a huge amount of wasted time. And in startup land, that's something we can't afford, right? We can't afford to be wrong for six months. Doesn't work. No. And, and I think there's a flip side to this. And I think this is important because we're talking about the top down of, of, of this kind of structure of you know telling your folks that are on your team what they should be doing. I think there's also some flip side, which is the folks that are doing those tasks that are being either assigned those tasks or create yeah. those tasks. It gives them a forum every single week to say, am I still on track? Yeah, yeah. And, sure. and more importantly, to kind of kick the uh, question back up to say, are you sure this is still important? Yes. Because I can only do three things this week. You only get three bullets. Are you sure this is the most important one of the three bullets that you want me to work on? Yep. That's a good point. It does. It helps to defend their their time a little bit from, from top down, from them being overwhelmed by us, right? <laughs> As we get overwhelmed, one of the easy things to do is to pass that on to somebody else, right? Like, well, okay, I'm overwhelmed. Let me push a little harder on, on, on the rest of my team and see if we can relieve some of this, which might be the right answer. Kind of depends on why you're pushing them, right? But in a lot of cases, yeah, I think that keeping it limited to that three, having a proper expectation for what can get accomplished um, is a really, really healthy thing as an organization. I think it does. And I, I like the fact that, that it's such a simple mechanic. And I'll give you an example of how we track this because a lot of people won't believe this, but we're a 200-person organization and essentially all of our productivity gets tracked on a single space a page of a spreadsheet and not even all yep. of it. <laughs> it's, it's actually There's a lot of empty cells there. We could a lot of, more rows. Well, it'll be full up with completed projects, right? But this is how it works. And it's just this simple across the top, across each of the columns, we have the names of the, the folks or, and or the departments that represent the company. And so it would have marketing, dev sales, et cetera. Across the rows on the other axis, we just have three rows, essentially. Um, that we, we have enough number of cells per row, but, but three sections. First section is, what are we going to do this week? These are the top three most important things. The next section is what's on deck. That yep. means we still want to get it done. It's just not the most important thing this week. The great thing about on deck is how often it never gets addressed. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, it you know... It becomes not important. We had this really cool partner op. You know, it's we can't work on it this week, but we'll work on it next week. Next week comes around, like, you know, actually that partner's terrible. <laughs> you know, we're not going to work with them. Yeah. And it never got into the into the queue. What happens is if we give ourselves six, seven, eight things to add to our queue, they lack priority. And so the stuff that maybe was just going to go away anyway got mixed in with priority or focus with the things that actually did need to get done. So that, that second cue, if you will, is on deck. The last cue, and it's actually fairly important, is it's done. Yeah. This is a running list of all the things that got done. Uh, by the way, Ryan, high five to you. Your list is the longest on the entire tracker <laughs> of people who've gotten projects done. So I like to high five to you. Sometimes. But, 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 but we all know that. And it's, it's not a scorecard in that way. Some of your projects may be able to be, get done in quicker timeframes than other people's. But, I often put I often put send email reminder to myself as one of my goals for the week. That's it's super simple. You sandbag it. <laughs> yeah. No, but look, man, it's pretty telling. The bottom, the done part isn't just about departmental or individual accountability, although that does matter. 
it's a way to look across the organization and say, what are we getting done? Yeah. And often you look at that list, you know, what are we? It's it's roughly right now when we record this podcast about October. So, you know, we're in the 10th yep. month of, of the year. There's a lot of stuff on that list. It allows us to go back to that list and say, how did we spend our time this year across the organization? You know, what was important to us back in January? And was that a good use of time? Do we want to do the same kind of stuff next year? How can we be more efficient? What could we we have said no to? And we can learn from that. Yeah, okay. And that's that's all well and good. But like, that's a week. How do we decide what we're going to do today? Right? Like, how do we break it down to that level? <laughs> ultimately, we can't do anything this week either. We have to do something right now today. So how do we do that? What I love about focusing on today is there's zero margin for error, right? <laughs> well, maybe error, but there's there's no room to, there's no wiggle room on today. So uh, I use a product called Google Keep, which is where I keep all my notes. And the most prominent note that I've got on the top left that's colored is what am I going to do today? And it's kind of like a set your intention type thing. And what's important about that for me is I only put one thing on it. And here's what I've found, right? I'd love to hear your mileage on this. It's so rare that I can actually get the one thing I wanted to get done, (laughs) done, that the idea of having more things on that list seems absurd. I get a lot of things done during the day, but only one thing that matters. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I have basically the same experience. Well, you know, the loading up the task list is fine. Um, still, I'm lucky if one of the things is going to get knocked off of that. Uh, there's just so many distractions that come up in the day, right? And and of a lot of them have merit. You know, you got to be careful about how you defend your time and make sure that you do carve out the time you need to get that one critical thing done. Um, but as you know, like the rest of our days have to remain flexible, right? We've got a lot of people looking to us for answers, questions, information needs, whatever. But it is really important to make sure that in responding to all of that, you don't lose sight of that one thing, right? And so I am very much the same way. There's always a sort of North Star task that needs to get accomplished. I used to do this with a whiteboard or with a post-it note. Uh, now I use Evernote. I think you said you're using Google Keep. But that's that's where I track those things, and and that's always open and ever present, staring at me. So if I do let myself get distracted, uh, it's easy enough for it to uh, to resurface again and, and get back on top of my list. Yeah, I kind of look at that as what's the least I need to get done today, and that's not yeah. the the least important, but this is the most important. So by way of that, yeah. if nothing else, this needs to get done. Yeah, the one and thing like, so I can't skip today. Yeah, so so today for you know for either of us it could be the podcast, and it's not to say we don't have lots of other stuff to get done. I keep a separate list of what's next, but here's yep. what's really interesting to me: it's taken me probably uh, five years to really hone in on this. I don't know why it's taken that long, but it's taken a long time. It's so easy to get overwhelmed with so yeah. many things that you want to get done. It's exactly it, though, man. I, yeah, I can right. literally go back in time to, to when like I would, I would have a list of five or six things and you're three quarters of the way through the day, you look at the list and without even really considering what was on it, I can still hear myself saying, yeah, I'm not going to get to that shit today. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is important. When it's, when it's just one thing, it's very different when you look at that and go, I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that one thing that I said I was going to do today. I'm not going to do that. That's a very different conversation, even when you're having it with yourself. Well, the way I look at it 
is as the leader in the organization, if you don't create an amazing amount of discipline for yourself, then you can't expect it in everybody else. Or at the very least, it's not going to happen, right? Even if you do expect it. I think what we've done really well at startups.com and, and what I see some companies do well is build a, a discipline across the organization where everyone understands big goals are important. We want to hit big goals. But the way we get stuff done week after week, churning stuff out, is we set really small goals that are really trackable and we are just all over them. Even, even down to, I'm not leaving my desk today until this one thing is done. Today's just moving a bit of a pebble, right? But long-term, that's how you move mountains. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later.